Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the FPL Fortress. I'm Jacob. And I'm Jayong. This weekend was a rough one for many FPL managers. That is, unless you had Reese James. That's absolutely right. James came out of nowhere and delivered for his owners, all while other big-name players really struggled. We'll discuss what this past week's events mean for your team and how to move forwards and gain ground in your mini-leagues. So, to kick things off, let's talk about Liverpool 2, Brighton 2. Um, Liverpool went up within five minutes thanks to Jordan Henderson um, and uh, Sadio Mane bagged himself a goal to make it 2-0. But then, um, very uncharacteristic of them, uh, Liverpool somehow choked a two-goal lead at home at Anfield. So what exactly happened there? I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. I was not watching this game. I was watching a different game, which I regret. But, I mean, one thing I will say is from from the highlights and from the analysis I've read, Liverpool were playing very, very well. Uh-huh. Scored two quick goals. They got a third, got disallowed. And I think that was really a, a big turning point. It allowed Brighton to just get back into the game. I felt like they really, you know, maybe got away with one, gave them, you know, another life, and they took advantage of it. Mm. Um, I have to highlight um, Leandro Trussard as well. He played very well in that false nine role. And... Um... You know, I said it time and time again. I really respect Graham Potter and and the project that he's uh, building at uh, at Brighton. But um, I, I don't think this is a, a red flag of any sorts for Liverpool. They're still um, scoring for fun. Salah's still the go-to man. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Liverpool should be fine. You know, Brighton's a tough team. Yeah, you can always beat them. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but yeah, Brighton were really impressive today. I mean, the, in many ways, they're the mini the mini Man City. I think they, they showed that tonight. They are. Um, and so you you mentioned that you were watching another game, and I presume the other game you were watching was Man City 0, Crystal Palace 2. Would I be right? Yes. And so once again, I'm going to ask you, what happened? Uh, it's... Mm, I, I don't know. It's very strange. I, I, I did expect that Man City would beat Crystal Palace. As I'm sure everyone did. And I was wrong. And, you know, it's... Hmm. We've seen it from City in the past where they get exposed on the counterattack. They go down 1-0. Yep. The other team parks the bus. Yep. City can't break them down. Yep. The other team gets a second on the counterattack. Mm. Game over. Kind of reminds yeah. me of some of those Spurs games we played. Right. But, uh, I mean, in the past, Pep and City have been able to get through it. I, I have faith that they will. Uh, that they will after this one. But, you know, they're in a tough title race. And it's always disappointing to lose one like that. It's, I mean, it, it seems to be a regular occurrence. You know, once or twice a, uh, twice a year, they just go through a blip. Of, of a game yeah yeah um jesus did score but it was ruled out assisted by phil foden um phil foden of course did gain a lot of new owners for this game and i'm sure uh, a lot of us were banking on a man city clean sheet but uh chris not i mean not not to take anything away from crystal palace um i think wow i know i personally definitely um 
marked Palace as one of the relegation contenders before the season started, but Patrick Vieira has has come and proven us wrong. Yeah, I mean, they really overhauled their team. Yeah. Uh, this offseason, and it's looked like it's paid off. They got a lot of new players in, uh-huh. and the team's really been been gelling, playing well together. And you know, you, you like to see it. It's good for them. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Joachim Anderson at the heart of that defense, and um, oh, yeah. not to mention, um, Eberechieze is uh, returning from an Achilles injury um, around, I him. think, mid to late November. So, um, yeah, and Con- Connor Gallagher, what a player, what a player. He's, he's very good. He's very yeah. good. I, I actually had him on my uh, first bench spot, mm. and but, uh, for once, all of my players played. So. <laughs> I did not get thirteen points. That's that's unfortunate. But you were never gonna play him against City, were you? No, but no. still unlucky, I think. Yeah, no, yeah, you you definitely have the right to be salty about that a little bit. Um, Connor Gallagher, a product of the Chelsea Academy, and uh, another product of the Chelsea Academy, Reese James, really decided to turn into uh, prime R nine with his finishing. Uh, I mean, his two goals were crazy, crazy finishes. I mean, once again, I did not watch the game. Oh, but I, I will watch take the goals. Record. You saw the goals, didn't you? No, I didn't. Oh, come on. Should okay, I? well, one of one of them was a a half volley outside the box with his left right, foot. Right. Um, and, and the other one, and the other one, I think was was another half volley with his right foot inside the box. Oh, okay. So, striker's instinct, really. I mean. Everyone on that Chelsea team has a lot of skill. And, you know, I've often said at this level, anyone can finish. It's about creating the opportunities for yourself. Ooh. And, you know, sometimes when a player of Reese James' caliber gets those opportunities, he's going to finish them. I like that. Anyone can finish. It's just a matter of creating the opportunities. Mm. Um, well, at this rate, uh, I mean, Chelsea's defenders have scored the most goals in that team. Um, followed by the midfielders and the strikers, Lukaku and Werner have scored the least amount of goals, which is I mean, what is uh, it like five combined for the strikers? Something like, like that? that, which is which is really not what you'd expect. And Lukaku was brought in to fix that problem from last season, where where Jorginho was our top scorer. But uh, it seems like uh, Chile and Reese have uh, taken it upon themselves to uh, to share the burden. Yeah, I mean, if it, if it's working, I'm not sure Chelsea will be too bothered about it. Right, but it, it it's. Mm. Questions have to be raised about how sustainable it is. Yeah, no, I suppose. But if if you look at the heat maps, Reese James was pretty much camped inside Newcastle's box the whole game, and that that was chill well the past That's few true. games. But not every team is Newcastle. I think we have this, to remember this, that. This is also true. This is also true. It's also worth mentioning that like um, Newcastle were kind of holding up, holding out Chelsea pretty well up till the sixty minute mark, and then after that, it just Chelsea just t- cranked it up a gear. Um, and they were like, nope, um, we're, we're just going to finish this game off. Yeah, I mean, I think Chelsea just found a breakthrough and the floodgates open. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, and then Spurs, Spurs nil, Man United three. What uh, football Twitter has dubbed El Sakiko. Um, and uh, in the end... I would say Man United won the battle, but it looks like Spurs won the war. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I think that uh, so Nuno got sacked about 24 hours after the game. Yep. 
maybe less actually. And it's pretty clear to me that if Spurs can pick up Conte, then this uh, this game today will be a, a significant victory for the future of their, their team. And if, if United have to persist with Solskjaer and this this win gets them in another few months, it's, it's really a sad day for United. <laughs> I what I've heard what I've heard is that uh, United are going to hold out until the end of the season until Ten Hag becomes available from Ajax. I don't know if he's going to want to come to United. It'll I mean, be Ajax are gar- better right now. All right, it'll be a gargantuan test. Situation all around. Mm, yeah, Ajax just ooze class, don't they? They really do. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, back back to Nuno and Spurs. It's. I mean, I remember after Mourinho got sacked. Um. And in the summer, they were looking for a new manager, and Nuno was like fifth or sixth choice. Um, and oh, yeah, there there was that whole that whole saga, really, of Spurs trying to get all those different managers. Yep. And eventually, they landed on Nuno. I don't. I don't think. I, I think a... it's clear that Nuno is really a last resort. Yeah, and I don't even think he's a bad manager, but just not the right fit at Spurs. Yeah, but, I, I um, think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, but um. Conte is going to come in. Um, it's it's. I think Fabrizio said the here we go, so it's uh, pretty much confirmed. Um, I mean, when Fabrizio says the here we go, his word is as good as gold. Let's just say yep, that. Yep, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But um, man, you know, when when you when you saw the lineup that Ole pulled out, put out, um, what what did you think of it? I mean, my my initial reaction was that it was a reactionary lineup, if you will, just. They got exposed by Liverpool. Mm. Uh, simple as that. And I think it's, it seems to me like oh, I was afraid of conceding more. But yeah. credit to him, it worked. Maybe he's a, a tactical genius. Who knows? Yeah, I, I think it was a lineup made to to not lose. Yeah. Is, yeah. is what I'll say. Um, but but actually, if if you take a look at how things transpired, it, it made a lot of sense, didn't it? Um, Luke Shaw... He only wants to bomb forward. He he does not want to defend. Um, Aaron Wambasaga, his his positioning is, is woeful, so it, it makes sense to have another center back back there to cover him. Uh, Maguire is is rather unreliable, um, so to have Varane and Lindelof um, back him up makes a lot of sense. Um, and then the the strike partnership uh, of of Ronaldo and, and Cavani did uh, raise raise some questions in my mind because if you add up their ages you pretty much get a get a pensioner but um <laughs> you know it worked and if it works uh, i don't think anyone can complain yeah i i think it was really a an old school lineup if you will yeah the the two strikers who had some some nice interplay by the way i was impressed by them mm-hmm. uh ronaldo had that very nice goal it was nice. Uh, and the the second goal with Ronaldo's pass to Cavani was also okay. very nice. Yeah, like that, that's really the sort of goal you want with a strike partnership. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think, you know, with uh, the, the Liverpool game, it seemed like everyone was clustered around the, the ball. There was a winger wide open. If you got another defender, maybe that person will be, will be picked up. Mm. Sometimes, you know, when you can't really defend, just put an extra guy back there and yeah. it can kind of make it work. Yeah. And you also just being able to, to shelter Maguire. Yes. With two center backs around him. I think that's really, really big. 
Yeah, Su surprisingly uh, astute tactical acumen, if you will. Um, but, uh, oh, what was I going to say? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, Ole pulled out that lineup again for the next week's game against City. It's very possible. Yeah. But um, what, what, where does this leave uh, Jaden Sancho and Mason Greenwood and Marcus Rashford? You know, I'm actually surprised. And, you know, pleasantly surprised, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, impressed, by the way, that he was willing to, to do this and put out a perhaps non-conventional lineup, given the players that he has mm -hmm. uh, and the pedigree of the players on the bench. But, you know, it, it worked. Simple as that. And it was maybe it was just a change of formation needed. But I guess when you have only three attackers instead of four, uh, the fact that they can't press is not as big a problem. And then also just when the, the wide, uh, the wide play isn't working, just a more direct route to goal that can work. Hmm. I, I do think the, the five at the back is, is going to be um, uh, an exception because Ole has pretty much played four, two, three, one throughout his entire stint at Man United. And, it worked uh, though. I mean, I, I think we'll see it at least a few yeah. more times. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Because um, because Marcus Rashford need, needs a place in that team, um, whether it be up top or out wide, and Jaden Sancho can't just rot on the bench for the rest of the season. I mean, you you say that, and I don't disagree, but if but, they're not part of the best eleven, yeah, we can't blame Ollie for not playing them. Like that that is a an objectively good decision. Mm, yeah, like from a, a the Jaden Sancho perspective. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, he really hasn't gotten a chance, to be honest. That's wow, too bad. He, he kind of has, though. Has he? He, he kind of has. I think he has. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. He's played decent minutes, and he's and he's gotten. I mean, to not show in the it. league. Yes, in the not league. Really. Decent. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Go on then. It's. I I believe I don't think he's played a full ninety yet, but he's had like six. He's, he's played two hundred ninety six minutes. That's not much. 15, 31, 71, 65, 17, 0, 33, 64, 0, 0. That's it. It's not even that. It's just that he hasn't even shown flashes of what he can do in Dor what he did at Dortmund. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very fair. He's looked utterly pedestrian. Yeah. I think. And, you know, I, I think United really hoped that he would provide creativity in the wide areas. And, you know, combined with Ronaldo, just link up for a lot of goals. But it hasn't happened yet. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Hmm. Rashford's one to keep an eye on, though. Post-surgery, Rashford. You know, I strong. think if Ole decides that he wants a bit more pace in the front, too, hmm. Rashford's the type of guy that he could put there instead of Cavani. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. <laughs>
Uh-huh. And when neither of those things are happening, it's po- it's impossible to stop team scoring against Juice. It's impossible to get anything going. So we'll yeah. have to see if if uh, if Conte can can really uh, change that. Mm. Yeah. Um, and when when you have Kane and Son at your disposal, two of the best players in the Premier League, I don't think that's arguable. And you score I, what I think. I'm not sure about this, but Spurs, I think, have the third lowest XG, XG in the whole league. Um, that, that's just unacceptable, to be honest. Um, I think An- Antonio Conte is, is a manager who um, is, is a very, very good tactician and very adaptable as well and, a, and an in- innovator. Um, he, he really, his, the 3-4-3 three, three that he, he brought to Chelsea a, a few years ago did, uh, did wonders. Yeah, I mean, uh, to your point, Spurs actually have the fourth lowest XG. Okay. 10.63. Uh, Watford at 10.32. Newcastle at 10.21. Norwich at 7.72. Mo Salah at 7.65. <laughs> that's that's not good company. <laughs> no, it, it is not. <laughs> um, but but I, I do think... Um... I, I do. I, it it'll be a it'll be an, a period of adjustment, no doubt. But uh, maybe they get a new manager bounce, and they have some nice fixtures lined up, and uh, it could be the formula for something something decent going on. Yeah, and another thing to keep in mind is whether Conte switches to formation. That's true. I mean, at Chelsea, I believe he really uh, enjoyed using the three at the back. That's that's and what he went with. the the strike partnership with uh, Lautaro and Lukaku. Mm. And I, I could see that being rep, replicated with uh, Kane and Son. Interesting. And, you know, I think they fit into their roles really nicely. Kane and Lukaku are very similar players. Yeah. So are uh, Son and hmm. So, I mean, maybe if he combines the two, that could really leave Spurs in a very interesting place. Very, very interesting. I think I think Reguilon would be a very good left wing back. And uh, a- a- Emerson Royal hasn't exactly been lighting it up, but uh, we have to remember that Matt Doherty excelled in a, in a wing back position. Doherty still Spurs? Hmm? Is he still at Spurs? Yes, he is. Surprisingly, huh. I, I haven't said his name in forever. I mean, we talked about him a lot last year. I think last year. No, not not last year. Two years ago. Up. Two years ago. We didn't talk about him, but two years ago, he was a good option at Wolves. Right, right, right. But yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, nah, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what Conte does. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think Spurs are a team with really a lot of potential. Yeah, and I I don't know if Conte's the man that can really unlock that. But I think it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, on to the second question. What what exactly do we make of of the lack of firing options in the forward and, and midfield positions? I mean, that's a good question right there. Because yeah. I think a lot of FPL managers will be scratching their heads. Yes. Seeing their very expensively assembled teams. Yes. Just not getting goals. Like, yeah. I think you were telling me before, uh, before we started recording that your strikers have one goal in the last mm. four weeks. Yep. And to be honest, I'm not sure mine are much better. Uh-huh. Him has got the goal. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, for me, that's been it for the last four weeks. That's really the not last good. Last five, in fact. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a problem. Yeah, c- considering I've invested so much into them, Tony, Vardy, Antonio, um, it's... It's an issue, and th- I think the even more startling issue is that there are no striking options that jump out at me that I should be jumping onto because there's just nobody that I even want. 
I mean, I think right now the move is to get two players in the six to eight million range. Someone like a Jimenez and Antonio, maybe. Or if uh-huh. you want to dip down a bit lower, maybe a, an Ivan Tony or a, a Callan Wilson, even. Yeah. I'm on board with Callan Wilson at the moment. And if, if you want to splurge a bit, maybe a Jesus. I think Jesus can really can really make something happen. I mean, he had a goal that's allowed mm. against uh against Palace, and he he's been a pretty dynamic option, surprisingly so. Yeah. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see uh, what goes on with that. Yeah, I I, I do remember I did um single out Jesus a couple weeks ago as as a gut feel type of player, and he's he's not done so bad. But and also um we we have slandered him in the past, him alongside with uh, Sterling for being poor finishers, but. Uh, Jesus isn't doing so badly, although he is a reverse out of position. He's a classified as a striker, but playing right wing, so he's he's what we we call a poo in the FPL community. I mean, that, that's not wrong. He's still playing on the like on the front line, so it's not mm-hmm. like he's too far away from the goals. Like yeah. if he was a if he was a number eight, I'd be concerned. Yeah, but he's he's still he's still getting chances, so I think it'll be fine. Yeah, you, you you said have two strikers in the six to eight million range. What about a third one? Just four point five? I think so. I think so. Really, really. I mean, are there three people that you can really say I want? Mm, that's that's the thing. But but I'm also gonna argue that there are no really standout options in midfield either. I mean, hmm. please tell me. Everyone will have Salah. Okay. Sitting about twelve point five right now. Sure. Um, you'll probably have a couple of guys in the, the Jota, Foden, Havertz range. But do you want any of those players except Foden right now? Havertz? I think he's worth keeping around. I mean, he's he's literally playing up top for Chelsea. And he's gotten like, one assist after Chelsea scored 10 goals in the okay, past well, two weeks. Okay, well, I think, I think it'll come. And even if it doesn't, I don't think it's a bad bet to, to bet on Havertz. Mm, uh, I think... Jota, when he plays, can be a very dangerous option. We saw that against United. Uh, the playtime is a bit of an issue, I'm not going to lie. Right. The 12 minutes is not what you want to see. No, no. Uh, I might go Jota to Foden, to be honest. I think that's a very valid move. Uh, and hmm. There are guys like uh, Rafinha, Saar, perhaps. So, uh, no, I've had enough of Saar. All right, all right. I mean, I'm just saying 6.2. Yeah. I mean, no goals or assists in the last four, I know. But he's four goals on season. That's not bad. Yeah, and three of, them, three of them came against the two worst defenses in the league who they play okay, twice well, a year. He's got a nice stretch coming up. So I I, I think... I think did you, did you sorry just, to surprise you. Did you just say he has a nice stretch coming oh, up? Oh, I mean, in, in the... Not the immediate future, but the the Brentford Burnley Palace Wolves. I'm not keeping him for five weeks just to wait it out. <laughs> That's a fair point. Yeah, um, but but like, no, I don't want anyone like re- really, except in I except I don't have Chilwell or James right now, and I'd like one of those because I have Espelicueta. But you know, Greenwood lost his place. Um, Gray lost form. Uh, Watford's just not clicking. Ben Rama lost the early season form that he had. It's I mean, slim pickings. I think the move right now, okay, really could be the the five three two. The five three two. I mean, I I I think it's clear to to you and me 
that the value right now is in defense. Mm. I mean, just look at the, I mean, 5.7, 6.4, 7.6, 5.9, 6.7 versus 12.9, 11.9, 10.2, 11.7. Like okay. it's, it's a lot cheaper to build a team out of the, out of the defense. I mean, you're really only paying like a couple million more than a replacement level player for a very good player versus like five or six million more. All right, I so, think you can probably get like three decent defenders for a premium midfielder or striker. All right, so 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 hit me with your ideal back five. I think right now it would have to be uh, Reese James, Ben Chilwell, Joao Cancelo, Trent Alexander Arnold, and either Van Dyke or Robertson. Definitely not Van Dyke or Robertson. No, all right, definitely all right. not, definitely not. Maybe if, maybe for the for the number five, you go with someone just a bit cheaper. I can't. I think some you. of the, the Brentford defenders actually jump out at me at the moment. Really, really. I mean, they're pretty stout. Well, they they got they've exposed. Got, they've got some nice fixtures coming up. They got exposed by Burnley, who just smacked long balls at them. That's true. That's true. But counter counter argument. No other team in the league right now plays like Burnley. That's true. So they don't have to worry about that again for a while. I I can't believe you left out. Livermento. I mean, what an absolute unit this guy is. That's true. That's true. I actually have him in my team right now. I, I think the, I don't know, when you're building your fantasy back line, you're not inclined to put a 4.2 in there for your, you know, your dream team. But yeah, I think he's definitely value for money right now. To the listen, listen, he's blanked once in the past seven weeks. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. As a four million defender, what more can you ask? Honestly, my my statistics have him as the the second most uh, value for money player in the league right now, behind Reese James. Uh huh. And there you there you have it. There you. I mean, looking it. at those same metrics, honestly, I mean, there's there's just so much value in defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are like fifteen guys that are like eight 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 million per. Per dollar, yeah. Versus just like, uh, like six forwards, and not a single, uh, not a single striker. If uh, if I may ask, where are you getting these numbers from? Uh, a value season. Mm. I mean, I I think it's actually a pretty pretty decent tool. Okay. Yeah, maybe a bit rudimentary, but it can it can help illuminate some things. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so so I no, I I absolutely agree with you. I think big at the back is is still the way to go, but it's uh, you you still want good players in your midfield and forward line. And right now, right now, I'm very discontent with with the state of my attackers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough, it's tough, because I'm I'm sure at some point there will be a nice option that jumps out of you. Yeah, but until then. Until then, it's tough to say, and you know, just just keep keep looking, keep waiting, keep hoping. Yeah. Um, and uh, as for what exactly we're waiting for, well, that takes us to our third question. Um, what is one team who is on the upturn who we should be jumping onto, and uh, by contrast, what is one team who we should be jumping off of? So we each have picked one team on the up and one team on the down. So Jacob, would you like to start? Um, I'm I'm gonna be honest. My uh upwards team may sound a bit scandalous. Okay. Uh, 
it, it flies in the face of many of the things that I've been saying on this podcast this year. All right. <laughs> I, I think you, you realize what I'm getting at now. And uh, if, uh, if my predictions turn out to be true, it would make the me from weeks one to five look like a fool. But that being said, I think that Arsenal are on the up. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've looked pretty good. No, they, they are. They are. They are on the up. <laughs> like, I mean, they had the, the win at Spurs, which does not look that nice now. Uh, they had the, the draws at Redden Palace, which eh, happens sometimes. Uh, but I, I think the, the victory at Leicester really solidified it for me. Like, I, I would trust them to, to an extent right now. I think your argument has a lot of merit. Actually, has a lot of merit. Because, if anything, the first couple of weeks of the season were uh, an anomaly for, for Arsenal. Because um, they were kind of injury-ravaged. Um, but now, now Party's back. Party looks very sharp. They have Tommy Yasu, who I will say, he's he's reminds me of like a, a James Miller or a, or a Nacho Monreal in the sense that um, he's going to put in week in, week out, seven out of ten performances. Nothing stand out, but he's going to do his job very well. Sure, um, sure. Ben White, Ben White, he gets disrespected way too much. He's actually a very, very solid ball-playing defender. Um, I remember against. I mean, Crystal he Palace, he wasn't worth what they what they paid for him, but he's not bad. No, certainly not. Certainly not. Against Crystal Palace, he turned into prime Maradona. He <laughs> ran like sixty yards. Um, and and generally, Arteta, it's taken a lot of time. Yes, it's taken a lot of time, but I think he's he's starting to implement that uh, that uh, that Man City DNA into that Arsenal mm. team. Mm. And, you know, we actually just had the, the discussion about the midfield and the woes there. I yeah. think there are a couple uh, cheap Arsenal options that could really uh, mm. work your way in, work their way into your team. Emil Smith-Rowe, for example. Uh-huh. I mean, what does he have? Three goals, two assists so far? Yeah. He's looked good. I might get him in, honestly. Yes. Yes. Um, yes, but... Uh, and then, I, I, how do you feel about Aubameyang? Aubameyang. Do, do you think his time has passed? Yes, and it, it's unfortunate because he, he was so good for so long. He, I think he had like three really good years, but he, he just doesn't have it anymore. Right. I'm, I'm sure he'll, he'll, he'll pop, pop up with a few goals, but nothing worth uh, nothing near a player worth uh, 10.0 million in this game. Yeah, that's fair. All right, so um, I guess uh, my turn to, to share my, my team on the upturn, and I'm going to go with Spurs. I'm gonna go with Spurs. It's it's very preemptive. Uh, I'll I'll concede that. What I just think, Conte is is too good of a manager to to not turn the ship around at Spurs, and compounded with the fact that um, he has he does have some quality players at his disposal. Um, Kane, Son, Hoiberg, Hoiberg can can uh, can do a job like Conte did in that uh, sixteen seventeen season, I believe. Um, and, and like I said before, I'm a fixtures type of guy because fixtures breed form is, is one of the things that uh, comes and goes in the FPL community. And I think that rings very true and Spurs have some very, very nice fixtures coming up. Um, 
play play Everton and then uh, Leeds, Burnley, Brentford, Norwich. So I I think it's time to invest. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting because I, I think it's very predicated on them getting Conte. Yeah, but you know, I I I think you you do have a point here. If Conte comes to the Tottenham, I think he can really turn it around, as we've discussed. I think we can see a Spurs renaissance, like a uh, you know rising from the ashes, kind of like a. Uh, progression of Conte's hair through the years. <laughs> Does he get that one in there? Oh, yes. That was good. I mean, I don't know. Whoever did that transplant did a very nice job. Oh, yes. Certainly. <laughs> All right. Should, um, we, should we move on to our teams to jump off? Yes, please. Start yeah. us off. So I, I've gone with Leeds. Mm. And it, it's very possible that not too many people are on Leeds right now. Right. But I think it's still worth... Uh, worth looking at because they were very attractive for a lot of last season. Yeah. Players like uh, Bamford and Rafinha and Stuart Dallas also yes. uh, worked their way into many, many teams. But, I mean, this year, this year, they just don't have it. And I'm sorry to say it. They just don't have it. I mean, the even the, the XG, which, you know, the Bielsa teams are so famous for creating chances, it's near the bottom of the league. Mm-hmm. It's not good. No, no, certainly not. And I think they've they've fallen victim to a classic case of second season syndrome. We've had we've had it we've seen it happen with so many, so many teams um who've who've gotten promoted from the championship. And I, I don't think they're helped um by by the fact that Bamford has been out for a while, Luke Galing has been out for a while, um Calvin Phillips only just came back. Um Jack Harrison, I don't know what happened to him over the summer. Um they spent thirty million on Dan James, which is still kind of a, a, a bizarre, bizarre piece of business, business in my opinion. And uh, they really just don't have the squad depth. I mean, um, they they're putting on kids out there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any part of them right now deserves to have them thought of as a as a top team in the league right now. No, no. And you know, it's it's sad to see because I think it's good for the for the prem. When you have teams that come in and play attacking football like that, I mean, not when they're Norwich, and they just can't do it. But you know, t- Leeds like teams. It, it, it is exciting, and it's too bad that right now they just don't have it. Yeah, I, I, but um, R- Rafinha is a uh, is a stellar player, and uh, he's a baller. He is absolutely a baller. Um, and the and the fact that he gets so many like goals and assists in such a short time period for Brazil, just further like makes it clear to me that it's the leads team around him that's hindering his peak performance oh absolutely i mean he's he's not the problem with this team i think that's been very clear the past two weeks no i th- I also think it's, it's very interesting how all these teams at the bottom have like one player who are just way too good for the club so for newcastle that's a maxima for burnley that's maxwell cornet uh, for Leeds, that's Rafinha. For Watford, that's Saar. It's always the exotic player, isn't it? Oh yeah, the the players who who are not happy to to settle into into the Sean Dyche system or the Steve Bruce system of of mm, playing football. Yeah. All right. Um, my team to jump off of is Everton. Um, Everton started off the season 
very very well um but uh, it's it's safe to say that they've just kind of fizzled out really um dcl's been out and he, i have no idea what's happened to him he's out like indefinitely at this point um but their defense is a shambles as it kind of always has been but they just can't seem to keep a clean sheet um and uh i don't know it's it's just it's just not happening for them i mean i, I don't really see how they can turn this around because it, it doesn't really look like I don't know. Things have been trending the right direction recently. Hmm. I mean, the play just hasn't been so coherent. Like, I don't know, the the Wolves game today yeah. was not good. I mean, they really got exposed in many ways. Yeah. And the fact, I mean, you, Wolves are not a team who, who tend to expose their opposition, are they? No, I mean, Wolves, especially uh, under uh, Bruno Laja, really have to, uh, you know, uh, claw their way. Sorry for the for, for the bad pun. To, to to every point, and they didn't even have to do that. It was pretty comfortable. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's let's move on to the captaincy for next week. Um. So I assume everyone's gonna have it on Salah, but. Going away to the London Stadium, playing West Ham, that is not an easy fixture. Yeah, but, you know, we've, we've seen teams go there and struggle. But, I mean, at the end of the day, just just put it on Salah. It is. It is like, as simple as that. It, it's always nice to think of the, you know, the outside of the box captaincy options. But nine times out of ten, you're going to lose everything. Yeah. I think if, if you have if you like play this little game with yourself where you, you, you actually captain Salah, but you pick a player every week who you like would have captained if Salah didn't exist, mm-hmm. um that, that'll be an interesting experiment. Yeah. Um I, I mean I that, that's called the vice captain. But mm, okay. But like all right, fine. But I I, <laughs> I think Salah's gonna eat Cresswell alive. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. Cresswell <laughs> is in for a nightmare. Oh yes he is. <laughs> Um, elsewhere, where can we look? I think we can look to the Chelsea defenders. I think so. I mean, they have looked very, very good. Both uh, Chilwell and James. And I think it's fair to say that they've locked down their starting positions now. Yeah. Uh, I think Chelsea are pretty much guaranteed to a clean sheet. Pretty much. And I, I realize that Burnley have scored three against Norwich. Or not, not Norwich, Brentford in the first half. But I mean, if if Burnley can score against Chelsea, I'll be very surprised. Flute yeah. that. So would I. But if anyone can do it, it's Maxwell Cornet. Right. I mean, he, he he's very good. He's very good. He is very good. Didn't he um kind of destroy City a couple years ago in the Champions League? Oh yeah, yeah. He has, <laughs> he had a, a delicious volley. Yeah. I remember. I think it was against Everton or uh-huh. Leicester. Yeah, Leicester, Leicester. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's a baller. Um, and but, but back to Chelsea defenders. It's just a different one every week. Recently, it's been uh, Chilwell and James. A couple couple weeks ago, it was Rudiger st- scoring and Thiago Silva scoring. Um, but I always seem to have the wrong one. I've had Aspilicueta um, mm. for the past two weeks, and he's he's been benched. So 
Uh, I'll be looking to the Champions League games to, to see if I should uh, keep him for Burnley or just, just get Chilwell. Yeah, I mean, at some point, I think you might want to go with uh, two Chelsea defenders in your team. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, yeah. I don't know, the odds of both of them get, uh, getting benched is very, very low. That's true. And you'll, you'll pretty much always guarantee to have a, a chance of the, the Chelsea clean sheet. If you had to pick one, Chilwell or James? Mm, James. Really? Maybe just because of, the, really? because of this week's game. But I think he's a, he's a special player. He is absolutely a special player. I think... I think James is a better player than Chilwell um, in terms of defensive acumen, in terms of intelligence in, in his positioning going forward, in terms of finishing as well. All around, I think Reese James, and in terms of athleticism and physicality. He's physicality, called te- yeah. I mean, he, he's called on, the he's James. Bridge for a reason. Let's leave it that. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what, what puts me off of Reese James is the fact that He's often um, the defender who comes on in the last 10 minutes for a one-point cameo, which is mm. really frustrating. Yeah, I mean, that, that can be debilitating Yeah, to a, to a team, especially if you're like me and you have Conor Gallagher on, on your bench who has 13 yes. points. Yes. The, the question is whether or not these, these one-point cameo, cameos blocking your first bench will be offset by his tremendous attacking returns. And that's, that's the question we have to answer for Very good question. And I think, you know, Chilwell isn't completely immune to that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think, to be honest, he's more likely to be benched. But he's yeah. also less likely to come on as a, as a, as a 10-minute sub. I believe since Tuchel has come in, Chilwell has come on as a sub once, and James has come on 13 times. Oh, all right. All right. I believe. You got the numbers? I'm not going to argue with that. Yep. All right. And uh, really, really out there. Well... Maybe not so out there because this player is playing Norwich at home. I haven't told any. What do you think? I mean, I think whenever you're playing Norwich, you deserve consideration. Yeah. Even when Mo Salah exists. Yep. I mean, is he going to outscore Salah? I don't think so. Probably not. But I, I, mm, this is the easiest fixture he's going to have in his yes. life. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I, I bet I bet he can take advantage of it. Yes. By the way, I'm so upset that i picked tony over Jimenez four weeks ago um mm. I, I spent like an hour at midnight thinking about it before i went to bed i looked at the heat maps i looked at the stats per 90 i looked at the it was bad i spent a lot of time over it and i went with tony and tony's blanked four times two points each week and uh Jimenez has scored uh has scored once and provided three assists so that that these are the 50-50s that define your season, really, and it's painful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Simple as that. Simple as that. Uh, so that brings us to the end of another episode of the FPL Fortress. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what the midweek Champions League has in store for us. And uh, whether or not Tuchel or Pep will wreak havoc on all of our plans with their lineups. See you next week and wishing everyone a healthy green arrow.